program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And there's screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when nickels down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who goes this town tonight. Call me luck. Welcome to Kwame Lassa for Sports Talk. Alex Clancy solo in studio today, Monday morning, 10 a.m. Arizona time. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Uh, Kwame might be calling in, but uh, I think it's just going to be me today. So you're stuck with me. Uh, a lot to talk about today. Uh, NFL, the conference championship games in the NCAA football, and what balls came out of that. Uh, I'm going to give you a little little thought on... If the playoffs were to have happened this year for the BCS and not just the bowl games, how that would have panned out. Um, we'll talk about some NBA later on and the mockery that the league has become. And uh, a couple other things if we have some time. But first, a lot of big conference championship games on this past Saturday. Uh, Florida State-Duke, Michigan State, Ohio State, Auburn-Missouri. Those are the three big ones uh, with uh, BCS National Championship game implications. And uh, we'll uh, start first with Arizona State and Stanford. Didn't really know what to make of this game before it started. Um, thought Arizona State had a chance, especially playing at home. Uh, that was not the case. 38-14 Stanford. You could just tell that Stanford is the better team. Uh, they have a better offense, seemingly better coaching, better players. But, but it's okay. You know, Arizona State, This they've taken a big step forward this year. Uh, Todd Graham at the helm. You know, hopefully he'll stay around. Hopefully he won't just text uh, the new AD for Arizona State saying that he's going to go somewhere else and coach like he did with Pittsburgh. Um, especially with the AD going to Texas, there, there have been some uh, some looming rumors that that he's going to follow uh, the AD to Texas. But I don't think he's big of a, big enough of a name to warrant uh, the Texas Longhorn gear. Uh, we talked about this past Friday the keys to stopping Stanford, and Arizona State didn't do any of them. Uh, unfortunately, Marion Grice, their number one running back, was out with a foot injury. Uh, he, he had about 1,350 all-purpose yards going into this game, and unfortunately, uh, we didn't get to see him play. He had 996 rushing yards, 436, 438 receiving, with 20 total touchdowns, uh, 5.2 yards per carry, um, 1,434 yards of total offense is the final number. Uh, it would have been really nice to see him on the field with DJ Foster, maybe get some more potency in the offense and not put more weight on Taylor Kelly to not only pass the ball but run the ball as well, which he didn't do so very effectively. Uh, let's start with Stanford. One of the keys that we talked about last Friday was stopping the run, and they didn't do that. Uh, right out of the gates with 13 minutes, 13.40 left in the first quarter, Tyler Gaffney breaks a 69-yard touchdown run, kind of smacks Arizona State and all of the Sun Devil fans in the face. Um, the, you know, Foster came back, DJ Foster came back and had a 51-yard touchdown run a couple minutes later. 
but the momentum, all the momentum that ASU had going into the game, playing so well down the stretch, uh, getting to number 11 in the BCS polls, which is their highest in a long time, um, kind of went away when Sanford got the ball and they ran it down the throats of the Sun Devils right out of the gates. Uh, Tyler Gaffney had to with 23 carries for 133 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, r- when you see that stat line, you see 22 carries, 133 yards. Oh, okay, that's fine. You know, normally he gets upwards of 40 carries, but they didn't need him to carry the ball any more than that. The three touchdowns were killer. He had two in the first quarter. Uh, going down 28-7 in the second quarter kind of spelled the end for the Sun Devils' run. Um, it was unfortunate, you know, but they've they've jumped leaps and bounds this year, and hopefully next year they'll get a bunch of recruits in, and then maybe they can steal some players from you know the California schools, maybe even from the Southern schools, to allow these you know maybe second tier players that would be riding the pine at at big bigger bigger teams, you know, like Stanford and UCLA and USC, uh, to actually get some playing time and become become superstars here. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Tyler Kelly is going to be coming back. Taylor Kelly is going to be coming back next year. He didn't have that great of a game. Seventeen of twenty-five for one seventy-three and a touchdown. I mean, it's okay. He had a QB rating of three thirty-five point four, which isn't great. Uh, the the jarring number to me is he carried the ball twenty-one times, which is a lot. It's a lot. Twenty-one carries for thirty-six yards. The electricity of Taylor Kelly is not in question, but his decision-making is right now. Uh, He's still young. This is a high-powered offense, but if he wants to mold himself into a quarterback that may go in the second or third round of the draft, he needs to learn how to become a pocket passer because you can understand the transgression and, and how everything has transpired with, say, you know, RG3, and Russell Wilson, not so much, but RG3 I'm, I'm talking about mainly, where you take the read option away, you're forced to throw the ball in, from the pocket, and uh, your team is 3-10, and 10, or 3-11 and 11, uh, with the Washington Redskins. So if he can learn how to become a pocket passer, let the running backs run the ball, uh, things could and should get better next year. Hopefully there'll be a top 15 ranking in the preseason, in the preseason polls, especially with the playoffs coming up next year, you just have to get to the top four. And if if they can put a stretch run together in the beginning of the season next year, get to the top ten. Even if they lose a game, they can still come back and maybe make it to that coveted playoff structure that will be implemented next year. Uh, but Stanford looks really good. You know, Stanford looks really, really good. And unfortunately, they lost a couple games. One to USC. I, I feel like that. Um, the USC game was kind of a premonition. They had kind of uh, res- they were resigned to the fact that they weren't going to make it to the national championship game, at least in their heads. So that's why they lost that one. But that is a very, very you know professional style offense, but very mature team that they have. They had 277 yards in the air, 240 yards rushing. Uh, talking about balanced. You can't get much more balanced than that. So, you know, we'll see what happens with Stanford. I really hope that ASU, on the other hand, can uh, can do some work in the offseason, keep their coach, who they just signed an extension to after the questionable win against uh, Wisconsin a few weeks back, 
which I think was ridiculous to begin with, but we'll talk about that on another day. Uh, I, I hope for good things for ASU in the future. At least they're relevant now, and that's that's a big that's a big deal in college sports. Relevancy is huge because the fair weather fans in Arizona uh, across the across the whole sports board uh, having having fans on your side is is a good thing. I mean, when it comes down to it, on the field, the fans aren't on the field naturally, but having them in your corner for as long as you can is is a good thing to have. So we'll move to Florida State Duke. Uh, this wasn't really close ever until you know midway through the second quarter is when Jameis Winston kind of turned it on. Forty-five-seven. Uh, you know, Duke did what they were supposed. Duke did things that people wouldn't expect them to do going into the season. You know, they finished. They were twentieth-ranked team uh, at, when this game was played. Uh, they'll play in a bowl game, you know, which will be fine. Um. But things are moving forward, you know, which is really interesting to coming out of the football program for Duke. And there are some numbers that I saw. Uh, they have 53 All-Americans coming out of Duke and with regards to football. 17 conference championships, which was interesting to me. Seven ACC championships and 10 uh, Southern Conference championships. Uh, they've been around since, since the 30s, so some of this might have to do with them being around the longest. But I never thought that they were ever in contention. So those are really interesting numbers. Ten ACC Players of the Year, most in the ACC history. And they have three NFL Hall of Famers to, that went to Duke. Uh, only Second only to Miami's four. And I feel like Miami will have some more with that whole 90s uh, powerhouse team that they had. 80s and 90s, but 90s mostly into early 2000s that are now in the NFL or have just retired. I'm sure they'll get a few more. But, you know, Jameis Winston looked good. Um... 19 of 32, 330, three touchdowns. He threw two picks, which was interesting. I feel like he'd be a little more efficient than that. Uh, 10 carries, 59 yards, and a touchdown. You know, this is what everybody thought would happen. I would have really liked to see something go crazy here as, as smack in the face for the, for the BCS panel, but it didn't, and they'll be playing for the national championship as, as well they should. And everything that has kind of fallen off with the alleged sexual assault case of Jameis Winston sure he has a clear head now and he can just focus on playing football he played well during the whole thing and I mean maybe that just meant that he knew that he was innocent and and, and he played accordingly uh, they'll be playing Auburn and this is going to be a very interesting game because Auburn is not the normal SEC team they're not the Alabama they're not the LSU they're a high powered offense they can run the hell out of the ball as was shown in the SEC championship game against Missouri they ran for 545 yards they ran for 545 yards. That's a lot of yards. That's, that's a lot. They had their leading rusher, um, Trey Mason, 46 carries, 304 yards, four touchdowns. Average 6.6 6 yards per carry. He had a couple long ones, but he ran, he ran the ball really well. Uh, I didn't, Missouri's defense isn't that bad. You know, they're not awful. They're a middle, middle rung, middle rung. I think they were top 25 rush defense. So... They ran the hell out of the ball. Uh, Nick Marshall, 9 for 11 for 132 yards, the quarterback. You know, he ran for 100 yards also, two, two total touchdowns. Having, throwing the ball 11 times and scoring 59 points, that's ridiculous. That doesn't, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. I mean, this game was close at halftime, 28-27. Uh, Auburn, they, they, you know, they scored two touchdowns in the fourth to kind of blow the game wide open. Uh, 
Uh, this was the most exciting game, I would say, uh, points-wise. Uh, you know, the Ohio State-Michigan State game was, was fun, but I don't really like Big Ten football, especially because of the, uh, of the huge gap between the good and bad teams, and there are only two good teams in the Big Ten. But, you know, this game was the fun one to watch, and I hope that this is what it's going to be like in the national championship game. It's not going to be 10-3 or, you know, 27-3. It's going to be a high-powered game with a lot of exciting players. You have the Heisman Trophy winner, or soon to be, as quarterback. You know, this is a very Cam Newton-ish situation in Florida State, and and I'm really curious to see what will happen when the big lights are on with Auburn. They shouldn't be here. Everybody knows they shouldn't be here. They're a Hail Mary and 109-yard missed field goal return for a touchdown. If one of those two didn't happen, then they wouldn't be here. But that's the beauty of college sports. These kids do amazing things sometimes. And lucky for Auburn, two out of three weeks, the unthinkable happened. Like, the unthinkable unthinkable. I mean, Hail Marys are one thing, that's fine. But with the magnitude of the game that they won with that one, and even more so against the number one team in the country at home with no time on the clock, maybe they're destined to win. Maybe. Especially with that run game that they have. Florida State has one, but with the two-headed monster of the quarterback and the dude that ran for 300 yards against Missouri, I mean, seemingly unstoppable offense at this point. Both of these defenses are okay. You know, they're good. They're, they're, they're no powerhouse, and I don't think there's any powerhouse defense really anymore. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about what would have happened if there was an 18 BCS structure playoff right now with all the teams that finished in the top eight of the rankings in the BCS this year. Some interesting points. We'll be right back. Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk, Alex Clancy in studio. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Sports Mavericks show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of Sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award Program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouillet and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on The Voice. Voice America Sports Channel. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. Tune in. To- Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for the keywords World Talk Radio. Once you're a part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the World Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for World Talk Radio. Welcome back to Cormier Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy solo in studio. We've been talking about the conference championship uh, football games in the NCAA. The BCS championship game is set. Florida State-Auburn. I mean, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. But I can't help but think what it would be like this year if there were a playoff. So I understand that it's going to be four games. That It's going to be a four-team playoff starting next year. So let's look at that first. If that were the case, Florida State would be playing Michigan State and Auburn would be playing Alabama. This is what we want. This is like the March Madness of college football. And it would be so exciting to actually watch these teams now making it to the top of the rankings actually have to play for that spot. It doesn't just let records decide. It lets the best teams decide who wins. And you could say, yes, the best teams win throughout the year. But even one lost team, maybe even a two-loss team, can actually win the national championship, which I think is a great idea. It's a great thing that's going to be it's going to be happening. You know, if it were if college basketball did it that way, it'd be the same teams every year. It wouldn't be any fun. These college kids want a chance to win a championship, and you don't have to go to just four schools to win a championship or even have the chance to. So I like this. So four, and then eventually, hopefully, it'll be eight, and I think eight will be the final number that the BCS will will uh, get set on for the playoffs. So instead of the four bowl games, the four BCS bowl games, you'll just have playoffs, and it'll be absolutely fantastic. So if that were the case, Florida State would be playing Missouri, which is a very interesting matchup. Auburn, Ohio State, which would really test Auburn's gusto and, and ability to play, and it was kind of questioned against Michigan State this past this past weekend. Uh, Alabama be playing Baylor, which is a high-powered offense versus a very, very good defense, and Michigan State-Stanford. These teams never play each other, unless it's in bowl games that don't matter, unless it's for the, except for the schools and for the BCS and NCAA football as a whole just to make a whole bunch of money. This, is, this would be so exciting to see teams intermingle between conferences to play games that matter. Nobody's going to remember who wins the Cotton Bowl this year. Nobody's going to remember who wins the Rose Bowl this year 10 years from now. They're going to remember the national champion. But you're going to remember who gets knocked out in the first round of the playoffs at the Rose Bowl. No, I'm sorry, at the Rose Bowl. 
10 years from now. You'll remember things like that when it gets implemented. So I'm really excited to see what happens in the next 5 or 10 years with regards to a playoff structure in the in NCAA football, and I'm all for it. I'm all, all for it, especially in football. And any way to, to make a few more games out of it, that's great. Take away a non-conference game that doesn't matter, that all these teams are going to win anyways. Make a rule that you can... The money that you'd make paying... Like, you pay Tallahassee University or, you know, uh, whatever, a school like that, $5 million to beat their brains in, save the money, and use it towards the playoffs. Money you'd make during playoff games as opposed to dishing out money just to win a game so you can have an extra win under your belt going into the stretch of the season, in the final stretch. It makes so much sense. This way... The studies for the students, because they are student-athletes, remember, I'm sure some of you have forgotten. The studies will be intact. You add on a game at the end of the season, or two, and it'll all be equal. The NCAA will find find a way to work it out if they can make more money. They'll find a way to to work it out if they can make more money. That's really the crux of my argument. And I hope it happens. I hope it happens. All right, segue into the NFL. Really, really exciting week in the NFL. Really exciting. A lot of touchdowns scored. A lot of teams jockeying for position for the playoffs. Uh, we'll start with the Cardinals. Big win. You know, every win now for the Cardinals is a big win. They won 30-10 to over the St. Louis Rams at home. You know, they haven't won a divisional game in two years, which kind of blows my mind. But they looked really good. You know, they looked really good. Uh, Carson Palmer looked very efficient after not practicing all week. Or most of all week. 27-32, 269 in the touchdown. Quarterback rating of 96. I mean, that's good. That's This is what we've been hoping for Carson, from Carson Palmer. I don't care if he throws less touchdowns. The interceptions and the fumbles are, are, are what the key is. So we had a very, very efficient game. Andre Ellington came back, which I think had a huge part in it. He scored a touchdown. They rushed for 100, 107 yards as a team, which was great, and two touchdowns. Richard Mendenhall has looked to... I mean, he, he's a great goal line back. He's a, he's a great red zone back. He has been for a long time. If you can keep him on the field, make him the bruiser, and have Andre Ellington be the electric back out of the backfield, catching passes or, or getting the ball handed off to him, I mean, they have a recipe for something that could make some noise in the playoffs if they get there. The very very interesting number that, that I came across, Carson Palmer targeted Larry Fitzgerald 12 times yesterday. Larry Fitzgerald had 12 receptions. We've been talking ad nauseum, Kwame and I, about timing between Larry Fitzgerald and Carson Palmer. There were two or three timing routes yesterday that made it look like they finally are getting it. 13 games into the season, that's about right. New quarterback... Top-tier receiver. This is about time when they start to get to know each other really well. They start to get to know each other really well. And and you could see last night, that yesterday, that Larry Fitzgerald, he looked at home. You know, it it looked fluid. The offense looked like it clicked. And I don't know if this is fool's gold or not, because St. Louis, yeah, they're, they're a tough team to play, mostly at home. But... You know, I don't know. I don't know how you can gauge this. I don't know if this is a strong win. I mean, any win again is a playoff win for the Cardinals right now. But I don't know how you can gauge uh, 
how far your team has come by beating the Rams at home. I don't know. I don't know. But the defense looked fantastic one way or another. You know, they won the game. The defense looked great. Carlos Dansby had another pick six, which was fantastic. Um, the only downside, obviously, this week was they lost Tyron Matthew to a torn ACL. He had played so well this year. He had played so well, and I don't know if this is going to be a, a career-nagging thing or if he's going to fully come back from it, because he's a child. He's still a kid. And I don't know if that proves to be better or worse. I don't know what his rehab is going to be like. I don't know how how he's going to go about doing that rehab. If he's going to, I mean, nobody really knows what's going to happen. As is most people when you come off an ACL injury. When you take Adrian Peterson out of it, you know, take Willis McGahee out of it, take all these guys that have come back. Those are both running backs, which is even more strenuous on on the knee than than DBs. But Teron Matthew shut down Taven Austin last yesterday. He shut him down. He had Taven Austin had one end around for fifty six yards. Uh, there was kind of, I don't really gauge that as either shutting down somebody or not shutting down somebody. I don't put that into the equation because it wasn't a catch and run. It was it was a, I, I see end arounds as as trick ish plays. And if the defensive ends can contain to a certain extent, then then you shut down an end around. So I don't know if it necessarily was Teron Matthews' fault. But for the majority of the time, he shut down Taylor Austin, who has been one of the most, one of the most electric players in the past few weeks of the season. So you have that two picks on Kellen Clemens, and again, they don't really have a quarterback. So you can't. I don't know how much you can gauge from this game with the offense or defense, but they won. They held pace with San Francisco, and that's really all you can. That's really all you can ask for. They got a little help with teams losing. Uh, in the playoff in the playoff picture, but the big one would have the really big one would have been if if uh, San Francisco would have lost to to uh, Seattle, but it didn't happen. You know, San Francisco. Let's move to them. This was a good game. You know, this was Colin Kaepernick three zero in the last three games. He's starting to get his stride. They they definitely got they definitely got some momentum going. They got some momentum back. This was a very tough defense they played against, and they did well. You know, uh, Colin, it, it wasn't anything crazy. He only threw for 175 yards, barely over 50%, touchdown and a pick. But when you have a good defense and you have a good running back, and nowadays if you have a good kicker, it's so huge. Kickers have become more prevalent now with importance Take away, you know, the, the last like game-winning field goals and stuff like that. But kickers are able to kick longer field goals now. It seems like with more efficiency. And Phil Dawson's he's one of the best. He had four field goals. He had four field uh, three field goals yesterday. Four, one from forty-eight, one from fifty-two were his two longest. And if you have a kicker that can get points on the board, you don't need to always be jockeying for field position. When you have a guy that can kick a 50, 52, 55, or even 64-yarder that Matt Prater did, we'll talk about him later. So Seattle, uh, 49ers win 19-17. I don't know if Seattle's kind of let off the the wheels mentally because they have such a huge lead in their division. They've already clinched a playoff spot. So I don't know what they're going to do the rest of the season. I don't know if they're going to sit players. 
I don't know if they're going to try to get as many wins as possible. I mean, granted, New Orleans is only one game back for the overall record uh, in the NFC for home field throughout the playoffs. So I don't know what Pete Carroll's going to do. And you know that Seattle wants that home field. You know that they don't want to have to go into the Superdome to play. Because you saw what Seattle did to New Orleans at home two weeks ago. So, we'll see. But Seattle looked fine. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't really that well played of a game. But both teams were solid. And a Phil Dawson field goal with 26 seconds left sealed it. Frank Gore had a huge run. I think it was 50 yards, 51 yards to set up the field goal. So, they had the ball last and they scored last. So, good for, good for the 49ers. Kind of wish Seattle would have won. Would have tied San Francisco with the Cardinals. But the Cardinals are only one game out of the final playoff spot. And, you know, we'll see. Crazier things have happened. Because I was not expecting... I was not expecting Arizona to do this this year. Kwame was, and him and I go back and forth on this. But I thought they'd take a step forward. I didn't think that the defense would be this much better. Because been, there have been no punt returns or kick returns this year for Arizona. And that's what kept them in a lot of games. Huge returns. For both, for kickoffs and punt returns. And Patrick Peterson's kind of been held at bay this year. Javier Arenas hasn't done much kicking, uh, returning kickoffs. But their defense has played well, and they're one game out of both playoff spots now. Carolina's 9-4, San Francisco's 9-4. And, and Carolina has New Orleans again at home, granted. And we'll talk about the Sunday night game in, uh, after the break. But Arizona, if they continue to play, they have Tennessee next week. If they can go to 9-5, and five, then there's a real pulse, a real playoff pulse. On the other side of the break, we'll run down some more NFL games uh, from, from last week. Kwame uh, Lester Sports Talk, Alex Clancy. We'll be back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for the keywords World Talk Radio. Once you're a part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the World Talk Radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for World Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Get ahead in business and life. Read Getting It Done, 1,000 of the Best-Kept Secrets for Success in Business and Life by John Capozzi. Learn how John, a successful Connecticut businessman, obtained 13 corporate promotions in 13 years. This book makes a fantastic gift for anyone who wants to get ahead in business. Voice America will donate a portion of every copy sold to the USO. Visit gettingitdone.com and enter promo code VA1234 at checkout to get a 10% discount. That's gettingitdone.com, promo code VA1234 for a 10% discount today. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy solo in studio today. Third segment. I'm going to continue talking about NFL that happened yesterday. Most touchdowns ever scored in one day in NFL history. That's nuts. That's nuts. With the rules and protecting the quarterback and things such as that, I felt like it would have happened sooner. I mean, I felt like this this stat would have come out sooner and this would have broken the record that happened, you know, whatever, last year. But this is crazy. I believe it was 90, 89 or 90 touchdowns in one day. Pretty good. Pretty good for fantasy people. Pretty good. I want to talk about the Titans and Broncos really quickly and what Peyton Manning said. Peyton Manning was asked about him playing in cold weather, and he said, for those of you that think that can go, stick it where the sun don't shine or something politically correct, as Peyton Manning would say. So you're gauging your ability to play in the cold when you played against the Tennessee Titans at home? Is it, that, that's, your, that's your barometer of, of how you can play in the cold? That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You had to throw the ball 60 times. Yes, you threw for 397 and four touchdowns. Great rating. You know, that, that, that's fine. Um, Tennessee's not good. So, I don't really understand why he thinks that now he's broken his mold. You still can't win in the playoffs. Yes, fine, your broken coverage and Jacoby Tones long touchdown last year away from, from, from getting to the next level. That's fine. But it didn't happen. You know? Sorry, Peyton. I'm still sure of the fact, in my opinion, that the Chiefs-Broncos game last week got flexed out of the Sunday night game because it was in Kansas City and it would have been cold. And you don't want Peyton Manning to lose a huge lead in New England where it's cold the week before and then maybe lose to Kansas City in the cold the next week. So we're going to put it in the afternoon for you. And then we'll put the Giants and Redskins at night because that game means a whole lot. That makes a lot of sense. The NFL is on Peyton Manning's side. And that's pretty obvious. So, that's all I really have to say about that. On to a team that can play in any weather. Uh, Carolina Panthers, New Orleans Saints. 
this is the only way that this game could have gone for people to forget about the loss in Seattle last week for the Saints. Panthers, Panthers have won eight in a row. They beat New England recently, even though it was at home on Monday Night Football. The New Orleans Saints, the most impressive part to me about this was their defense. They shut down Cam Newton as much as they could have, as much as anybody has this year. Sacked him five times. Sacked him five times for 50-yard loss total. That's a lot. You know, so he has seven-step drops. He starts, he starts dancing back there, and you take him down. Ten yards a sack is impressive. He normally it's around six or seven, five sacks for 35 yards, five sacks for 22. It depends on, obviously, how deep the drop is and how much the quarterback's running in the pocket, running in and out of the pocket before he gets taken down. But that's impressive. Drew Brees had Drew Brees numbers, 30 of 42, 313 and four touchdowns. Huge for my fantasy. Huge, huge, huge. Marcus Colston, 9 for 125, two touchdowns. Huge for my fantasy. Huge. I know you guys all care about that. Uh, the Saints look good again. Going back to our previous statement about Seattle wanting to win best record, playoffs, uh, home, home field playoff, home field advantage throughout the playoffs, I should have said the first time. Because this is what will happen if, you, if they don't. The Saints are unbeatable at home. They're unbeatable at home. They got nothing out of the rushing game. Nothing on the ground. The Carolina Panthers defense, who is the best defense in the NFL right now, knew that Drew Brees was going to throw the ball every time, and they couldn't stop him. That says a lot of, for somebody that can't even see over his offensive line. Completed passes to nine different receivers. Jimmy Graham, six for 58 and two touchdowns. He's still a beast in the red zone. He is still an absolute beast in the red zone. He is the Calvin Johnson of the red zone. Seemingly, Calvin Johnson can't be covered. You know it's going to go to him. You know he's always the first option, and you can't stop him. You can't stop him. And Jimmy Graham, you know the ball's going to him 10 yards in. You know it's going to him, and you can't stop him. He's too big, his arms are too long, he can jump too high, and his hands are too good. And then right when you double-team him, Marcus Colson is just standing there in the middle of the end zone, wide open. Because he's the forgotten guy in this, in this equation. You always think Jimmy Graham, you always think Darren Sproles. You always think Pierre Thomas out of the backfield, and swing passes and little screens and, and whatnot. The thing that Drew Brees is known for. But Marcus Colson's the guy that's been there the longest. He used to be a top five receiver. He's not that old. He's had some injuries, and he had nagging injuries to start the season, and he tried to play through it. This guy's 30 years old. He's not old. 30 years old. He's been in the, he seems to be in, been in the league for 20 years. He's been around forever wearing that Florida Lee on his helmet. He's Drew Brees' favorite receiver still. Marcus Colston is Drew Brees' wife 
and Jimmy Graham is the girlfriend on the side. Flash in the pan, freakishly talented, but Marcus Colson is where his bread is buttered. And if Marcus Colson can put up these numbers in the last few games of the regular season and into the playoffs and potentially the Super Bowl, I don't think anybody can beat New Orleans. It's easy to say this after Marcus Colson had a big game and he hasn't done much recently, but it just reminds people around the NFL, reminds every single defensive coordinator how good Marcus Colson is and how much of a feel these guys have between each other. There were some balls, there were a few balls that Drew Brees threw last night that I'm, I'm like, who the, who's he throwing the ball to and who's going to catch it? And all Marcus Colson did was split second turn toward the sideline. I remember one, Drew Brees threw the ball right at the sideline. Marcus Colson was about 75% into his route, turned, spun, and the ball was right there for him. It's poetry in motion when things like that happen, when you have camaraderie between two guys that know each other better than anything. Marvin Harrison and Peyton Manning were another one that come to mind, and obviously I'm being, I'm being biased towards recent history. Kwame, I'm still studying on my 70s and 80s football history. I am, so I'll get there. But Marcus Colston and Drew Brees are poetry in motion. So going forward, who are you going to cover? So say you cover Marcus Colston and Jimmy Graham. Who's going to cover Darren Sproles? Because he can line up anywhere. Drew Brees has kind of had a knock this year. He's been knocked on a little bit for only completing a third of his passes to wide receivers. First of all, he doesn't need to because he has so many different options. And most of the time with receivers, Lance Moore, Kenny Stills, they're, they're deep bombs for touchdowns. So it's working. I, I wouldn't say that they're a, a high-tempo offense. They're not running gun. They're, I mean, they're not just no huddle offense, no huddle offense, no huddle offense. It's just they have so many weapons that it looks like it's more potent than any other offense in the NFL, even including Denver. Because as good as Julius Thomas is in the tight end position in Denver, Jimmy Graham's better. And as good as any running back coming out of the backfield that Denver has, Pierre Thomas is as good. Darren Sproles, I'll, I'll group with Wes Welker. Darren Sproles is better than Wes Welker. He can do much more, and he's much faster. And he doesn't get as hurt as much, because all he does is bounce off receivers, bounce off the floor, and get up and, and walk back to the huddle. He has negative body fat. I'm pretty sure that he has negative body fat. And then you have Marcus Colston that is just there. Great hands. He can't jump as high as he used to be able to, so the jump balls now go to Jimmy Graham. But... Marcus Colston's still there. So that four-headed monster, or the three-headed monster, you have a running back, and then you have Kenny Stills and Lance Moore that can spread the offense. I mean, yikes. And they tore up a defense that hadn't given up many points this year. The real telling game will be two weeks from now when they play in Carolina. It's going to be, I'm sure it'll be flexed to the night game if it's not Monday night already. It'll get flexed, and in Carolina, if the Saints can beat them, I think we have the best team in the, in the NFC. 
Now, the whole other thing, though, with with it is is obviously the Super Bowl is going to be played in the Meadowlands and it's going to be cold, so I'm not exactly sure how that'll translate with Drew Brees. But, I mean, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. And really quick, I don't know how New England does it every year. Every game. You're down 19-3 to the Browns. For those of you who don't know, Patriots won 27-26 to put them 7-0 at home and 10-3 and overall. You're down 19-3 with a minute 25 left in the third. Jason Campbell is tearing your defense apart. Josh Gordon, most improved player. I think he could be MVP, but they're not going to make the playoffs, so he won't be. You're down 19-3. Score a touchdown, get a two-point conversion by the end of the third quarter. Tack on a field goal, down 19-14 with 5.43 left. Jordan Cameron scores a touchdown pass. 2.39 left, you're down 26-14. March down in a minute and a half. Julian Edelman, two-yard touchdown catch. Onside kick. Recover it. Score a touchdown with 30 seconds left. Win the game. I have no idea. Nobody else does, neither do I. In the AFC, and I hate picking them because everybody picks them every year to win it. I'm picking the Patriots to come out of the AFC. I hate it. But I'm picking the Patriots to come out of the AFC. All right, enough football talk. I have to take a break. On the other side, I'll talk to you about the NBA and how ridiculous it's become and a thought for a different playoff structure, even though it'll never happen. Uh, Kwame Lester Sports Talk, Alex Clancy. I'll be back in about two minutes. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Welcome back to Kwame Lassner Sports Talk. Last segment, we've gone through conference football games, conference championship football games from the NCAA, little NFL, a lot of good things coming up for the NFL. This is one of the best years in recent history. I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens in the next few games and into the playoffs. Hopefully the Cardinals can pull it out. Really excited that Arizona has a pulse again. I've said that once before today, but I truly believe that after, in my three years of living here, and learning about the culture and learning about all the different teams, that this is the most excited Arizona's been since I've been here. And I know it has, it's not a huge, huge sample size, but Cardinals look good. Arizona State football is relevant. Arizona State basketball is on the cusp of, of being relevant. Uh, hopefully they can keep Jaheed Carson one more year, but it looks like he's going to go to the NBA after this one. Uh, Diamondbacks, we'll see what happens in the upcoming year. And uh, the Suns, I, I mean, I... One of the most exciting teams to watch in basketball because they just love to play and they, they play together and they're all young and it's really exciting. All right, well, NBA, it's gross. It's gross. Basketball is my favorite sport. But when I see 11 teams out of 32 in the National Basketball Association over 500, 20-some-odd games into the season, a quarter of the way into the season, Nine, 11 out of 32. For those math majors, that is not close to 50%. The parody that David Stern tried to avoid during the last collective bargaining agreement, during, during the most recent one that he was trying to keep big cities from getting all the good players and then throwing everybody else into mediocrity, it didn't work. Kind of worked last year, strike season. Kind of worked last year, but something's got to change. I don't know what needs to change. I mean, granted, obviously, looking at it, the Eastern Conference is so weak, and the Western Conference is so much stronger, obviously, that changing the playoff structure might be an idea, but it will never happen because it'll take money out of the pockets of the franchises that need it. You know, like the Charlottes, who are in the seventh spot right now in the Eastern Conference out of eight, and they're 9-11. and 11. So, there's that. Couple couple jarring numbers here. Overall Eastern Conference record is 133-169. and 133-169. and 169, The whole conference. Take away the Miami Heat and Indiana Pacers, who collectively are 34-8. and eight. The record is 99-161. and 161. That's, I mean, I could coach a team to get that record. I could coach a team and, and, and have them be, you know, 2 and 16 or 2 and 18, 4 and 16. The playoff teams, 1 through 8, 91 and 72. So that, that's respectable, right? 91 and 72 for the top eight teams in the Eastern Conference. Without the Miami Heat and Indiana Pacers, 57 and 64. Those are the best teams in your conference, not even a 500 record. On the other side, the playoff teams in the Western Conference are 112 and 52. 112 and 52. That's a 55 game swing, ladies and gentlemen. So, something needs to happen. Something needs to happen. The third seed in the Eastern Conference wouldn't even be in the playoffs in the Western Conference. And this stat is my favorite. In the last 10 seasons, in the last 10 seasons, 
only twice has the Eastern Conference had all eight playoff teams with winning records in the regular season. Only twice in the last ten years have all eight teams in the Eastern Conference had winning records that made it to the playoffs. And I'm counting this year, 2013-2014, in that stat because there's no way all eight teams in the Eastern Conference are going to have a winning record. So take away the 0-4-0-5 season was one of them. And the, the Nets were 42-40. and 40. So that's about as close as you can get to having a losing record. And I should change this. One year there was a team that was 41-41 uh, and 41 that made it to the playoffs, but still not a winning record. And then last year, the 2011-2012 or the, the strike-shortened season, Philly was 35-31, and 31, and that's a strike-shortened season. So uh, I don't know how much weight you can put on that. The parity is at an all-time high. The bad teams are at an all-time high. Where does this come from? I have a couple ideas. One, the obvious one, players aren't spending enough time in college. They're not spending enough time in college. They have agents in their ear. They have money in front of their face. And they don't want to be in school. You don't, you don't go to a lot of colleges to, to be in school. You go to play basketball. That's the first one. The second one, the NBA doesn't market correctly. So, overseas, people don't really know who the Milwaukee Bucks are. They do, because Milwaukee Bucks are a great franchise. They've been around forever. But they need good players. And if you're somebody coming from Europe, you'd want to try out for the Lakers. You know, for San Antonio, Oklahoma, anybody in the Western Conference you'd want to try out for. But you wouldn't think about trying out for, you know, the Orlando Magic now, or the 76ers. David Stern has, and his conglomerate and his, his, the people in his cabinet have done an awful job marketing the sport. All they do is market players. They market about five players in the NBA. Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Carmelo Anthony. You know, Derrick Rose. Five guys. You know, I'm probably leaving out a couple. You know, Dwight Howard. They don't market the sport well. The NFL, it doesn't matter what Monday night game is on, you're going to watch it. Because it's football. Because it's football. It's in the fiber of every sports lover's being. NBA, you can take it or leave it. And that has to change. That has to change. What I think should happen, we have about two minutes left, so I'll make this short. What I think should happen is, number one, college players have to play twice. They have to play two years in the NBA. Either that, or you play one year in college and one year in the NBDL. You have to. Learn how to play basketball before you can make money. You don't deserve money until you know how to play basketball. You don't deserve a paycheck for playing a game you don't know how to play. Carmelo Anthony is a perfect example. I harp on him so much, but I have good reasoning in, for, for this. Jim Beheim, yes, did him a disservice in Syracuse by, with, with the zone defense that they play that has 
crippled so many players from that come out of Syracuse to learn how to really play man-to-man defense that you need to play in the NBA. Carmelo Anthony never learned how to play basketball. He was so much more offensively gifted than any everybody else that he that he made his way there. And you can see what's happening now. He's one of the most incomplete quote-unquote superstars in the NBA because he never learned how to play basketball. Make these kids play two years, one in college, one in MBDL or two in college. Take Europe away from it because you're already playing. You're not learning. You're already getting paid. You don't deserve to be paid as a 19-year-old coming out of college. You're not good enough yet. You're not good enough yet across the board. Don't be a cautionary tale. Learn how to play the sport before you, before you jump in to the millions. All right, I'll leave you with that. Alex Clancy, Kwame Lester Sports Talk. We will be back tomorrow. Take it easy. Thanks for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.